0: Okay, I think I turned it on. All right. Hey, it's Jake. I don't remember what episode this is, but I'm going to look it up and I'm going to write it. You can just look at it. You can look at your thing and see what episode it is. So I'm still in Australia. It's not, I'm not, it goes on for a long time. But I also have other gigs that I'm going to do when I get done with this. And you can check my website, jakethis.com. And what else can you do? Um, You can go, you can click a link on my website, jakethis.com, and then you can buy things on Amazon and then I will get a cut. It won't cost you anything, but it's like that's my gangster move right now so you can help me out that way. Anyway, here I am. I'm in Australia and I'm talking to an Australian comedian, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Well,
1: arguably comedy's subjective.
0: Oh, come on. <laughs> they're so they're so humble here. It's uh, so my guest today is Alice Fraser.
1: Hello. Hello. How are Hello. you? I'm
0: good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on the uh, podcast here in my in my hotel at this table.
1: I love a podcast. I love a table.
0: A table is nice. I All think. good so far. Well, we have this uh, this guy who hosts a talk show in the states on public television called Charlie Rose, mm-hmm. and it's just him sitting across the table. It's on television, and it's just him sitting across the table with people.
1: Ah, I, that is my dream job.
0: With a black backdrop, right? So he can just do it any he can
1: do it anywhere, do whatever he wants. Just yeah. so long as he carries a big black curtain around.
0: Someone else you could get. They have them everywhere. You don't even have to bring your curtain.
1: That's amazing, but there might be the wrong color black.
0: Uh, Is there a wrong color black?
1: Well, ask some people in America right now.
0: It's so easy to wind up in that racist bag. Yeah. I don't think there is a wrong color black, but that's where I am.
1: All colors are correct, except that weird lime green color.
0: They're making some cars. I feel like this is maybe in the aging process or just is it just being a person but all at once I feel like there'll be a bunch of cars on the road that just why do they make those cars that color and it's for those people you can see the people
1: you can see the people but that's a good thing that you can see somebody coming if they come in one of those lime green you know the the color it's not like a a fresh lime green it's like a it it makes you feel like you're about to throw up it's the color that creeps into the edge of your vision when you're about to throw up and if you see them coming, then you know a lot about them as a person. It's like a cat bell.
0: Uh-huh. Saying, yes, yes. Well, not that you can... You can judge people. You can judge people just for your own purposes. Well, that's just the to whole say. point
1: of wearing clothes and having fashion, is so that you can judge people. Like that's what they're, they're saying something about themselves with their choices, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. That is the, that is the, I hadn't really ever thought about it that way, but that is what we're doing, right? We're saying, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is what I think looks good.
1: Yeah, it's not bigotry to read somebody's signals when they're a signal of choice. Yes. Like, if it's something that you're saying about yourself with what you're wearing, then you're like, okay, that's interesting. So long as you're open to new information, like somebody who's wearing a business suit and smoking a big fat cigar, and then they are very nice to you, you can revise your initial opinion that they were inevitably a douche. I revise that down because I'm not sure about your American audience.
0: Oh, you can say whatever you want, but I do like douche. I haven't heard people say douche here as much as... As as I prefer.
1: Yeah, well, I tend to go for the c word just. As, really? Yeah.
0: See, I know you you're allowed to do that here, but last night I said it in my set just to. I, last can't night even... I said
1: it in my set twelve times. Yeah, so no, I it was a song pretty great. it. We have a song, yeah.
0: You have a song <laughs> with the c word in it.
1: It's good. It's descriptive, not derogatory, which I think is the distinction.
0: Well, that's the thing that I'm always saying about all of that, st- all the sexist and racist stuff. It's really more about. Intent than it is about vocabulary.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for that particularly with the c word, like I feel it's a good punchy word. Like in terms of the song, I have done that song. You know, obviously the night that my dad came to my show, I've done that song with other words and all of the other words that describe the female anatomy. And the the song for your listeners is just about the bits of your body that make decisions for you, uh, right? And all of the other words that are for that bit of your body making decisions for you. Uh, for women, are just a bit, like, sloppy.
0: <laughs> sloppy?
1: Yeah, they have, you know, there's soft soft letters around the Vs and Ss and Ps and, like, they're not, yeah. not like, you've got to, with that, the, yeah, it's the C a word has got, like, a hard heart start, hard end, like a good, solid, easy to rhyme with. Um,
0: oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's got that's a nice
1: pop nice. to it, which you none like... of the others do. They're all mm. just soft.
0: Yeah, you like a good, gentle nickname that's kind of easy to rhyme. yeah. I feel like there's so many for penis, there's not that many for the lady not, Well I guess there are, but they're all they're all sort of like out of bounds. We're just not even they're supposed all out to of, talk out about it. Out of bounds
1: it. or flaccid. Or what? Flaccid words. There's bleh, bleh. Yeah. there's no there's no oomph to them. And I like I like a little bit a little bit of oomph, especially if you're singing a song.
0: Well I like that word, as used here and in Britain, the way it seems to me, which as it's like an emphasis word, and it's not meant to be a vicious attack, which is the way it's perceived in the States.
1: Yeah, just by, de- like, as though, yeah, the word itself, I think, is a good word. Like, a- a stripped of all of its meaning, as a word, it's a good word. And mm-hmm. then, if it's used in a friendly way, which it is often here, then it's a, a nice word. I've been much more offended... By people saying, calling me a bitch, which I, I hate, bitch as a word is like a hissy, mean, spitty word. Not well, fun. the funny thing—the
0: funny thing in the states is—I feel like "bitch" in the states has kind of become what the c-word is here, and I can't believe we still aren't even saying it. But I'm not going to say it if you're not going to say it. But um,
1: look, I'm very comfortable saying it. I'm here. I'm here for the you know sensitivities of your listener, who I assume is a middle-aged prurient lady in a cardigan. I don't know. That's my. Yeah. I'm projecting your demographic. I'm not here. sure.
0: It's, what does purient mean? I thought like, that was like naughty.
1: Yeah, that she's just looking. She's easily scandalised. Oh, oh,
0: I thought you would. Well, if I see to me, if she was really purient, she would love it if you said. Oh, the I see. But I don't know. I don't. I haven't. I don't try and picture the listener. I just picture them as a. Someone there's someone doing something right now. Usually, I kind of sometimes I picture them exercising, and I like to remind them to crank it up. That's good. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, work work those mad guns. Or grocery it.
0: shopping. But anyway, in the states, bitch is one of those words that you hear guys say. You know, what's up, bitches? You you know, yeah. you hear them say that to other guys or or just an audience, or you know, it's not meant to be.
1: Yeah, it's a lady specific word. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't mind. I don't know. I, I, in terms of that stuff, I don't know. It just depends on how someone's using it and if they're using it at you aggressively, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's intent. But then some words get taken off the table. Like you used to be able to, uh, you, if one of your friends was being stupid, you know, you'd know, you call him a retard, but well, that's out now.
1: That's out. We don't do that. Know, but no one
0: ever calls a mentally handicapped person that. No, of you course know what I mean? not. It's
1: lost that meaning, but now But it's still because who, they be, sort of reclaimed it and then said it was offensive, which is an interesting one to Yeah, know. we'll
0: have that word and you, but you know stupid and idiot
1: used to be medical terms. Really? Like, there was a distinction between st- uh, stupid, which was a certain IQ and idiocy, which was a different level of IQ and imbecile, which was a different level of IQ. All of those three words, which now are just specifically, in, non-specifically insulting, used to be specifically medical definitions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it used to go with words that they would just lose their emphasis by being overused, and then they would, you know, become non-offensive. And now we've kind of gone the other other direction in like maintaining We're the remaking. offense in the in a word, and then taking it off the table rather than just diffusing it into meaninglessness, which is what I want to do with cunt.
0: Yeah, that's a good plan. Good luck. Best of luck. Yeah, yeah, I wish yeah. you luck with that. When it, when it actually happens, it's going to be a real, it's going to be great for all of us. Yeah. Because we're I, going to be able to say it at the grocery store. It's just store. a good
1: word, man.
0: Yeah, there's some cunt over in the frozen food section.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? That's a very Australian, you've got the, you've got the right uh, emphasis on that. Yeah. It's a friendly, a friendly word.
0: Well, yeah, you're sort of like dumbass, some dumbass. Yeah, exactly.
1: Know? Exactly yeah. that.
0: My uh, daughter, we were talking about my daughter before we started talking on this. And when my daughter was, I think, five, she came home from whatever it was, kindergarten, and said, I know what the F word is. And so my wife wife and I said, okay, well, what is it? And she goes, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't really understand the alphabet completely at that time. (laughs) No, that's... Like, shut up. That was a thing. Like, you just don't... Say shut up to other people when you're a kid, and maybe when you're an adult. I feel like that shut up is a real disempowering kind of.
1: Well, I mean, that's the whole discourse at the moment is about like silencing people, and that's like the most brutal and direct way to silence somebody is to tell them to stop talking.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting though because we have this big argument in the states anyway that they they they're having this problem where people say, "Oh, I've got freedom of speech," but what they want is the freedom to express these terrible opinions, you know, that are really racist and awful, and then say, when you criticize them, to go, no, this is my freedom of speech, you can't tell me that what I said is racist or terrible. It's like, no, yeah, I can.
1: I was trying to work this out. I can't get it to work on stage, but it's a real thing of, like, I am, like in principle massively libertarian i think anyone should be able to say whatever they want and i'm on the side of the like say whatever you want people but then they it's the same as somebody going i'm allowed to do whatever i want with my body and you go yeah of course you are and then they use that freedom to like shit in a bucket and put it on their head as a hat and you're like really that's what you're using that for like, I agree with your right to do that, but that seems really weird and dumb.
0: I didn't already get... Uh, at first I thought you were going to put use something that was harmful to other people, but this is just a person that's victimising themselves and really enjoying it.
1: What, it's just, then, then they're just walking around with this, their head in a bucket of shit. Like, And that's these people who are on, online just calling people horrible names. I think, aside from the hurt that they cause other people, they're making themselves look fu- so dumb and weird and like, why are you doing that? And then on the other side of the debate... Who I also agree with, who are like, let's be nice to people and careful of other people's feelings. They're like I remember when I was a kid and I loved band-aids and I would like put them on oh, yeah. little scratches, but then when I ran out of scratches, I'd like put them on itchy bites That's or like still little, going on, little by freckles. And so you just cover yourself in band-aids and it's really exciting. But then you're not putting band-aids on things that need band-aids.
0: You run out of band-aids. So As like a between
1: parents. the two camps, the shit and the hats and the band-aids on everything, I'm like I agree with you both, but I don't want either of you in my house with me. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's too much on both sides. It's such a, the weird choices that they make.
0: Well, yeah, I sort of feel like we got to have some kind of feedback. We should, you know, you can say whatever you want, but then when other people say, oh, that's offensive to me... And yeah. you got to say, well, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing it. Like, and I think that's what's happening. Or
1: not again. Like you well, can or, not, go, or
0: not, but then, but then you are. Then you really have to accept that now you just now you are saying f you to me.
1: Yeah, which no, is. A, it, I mean, but I think you also should be allowed to do that. But then you just have to accept that that's what you're doing. It's pretending that you're not doing that. So if someone goes, I'm offended by that, and you go, you shouldn't be. That's a dumb thing to say. Mm, like mm. you have to go okay. You're offended by that oh here's a good example um say i have a very religious person in the audience mm-hmm. and they believe that a woman's place is in the home and that women shouldn't swear and that women should wear a certain kind of clothing and i say i think that's dumb and you know women who do that are a drain on society and they shouldn't be allowed to vote, or whatever it is. (laughs) And they say that's Uh really offensive to me, and I say, okay, I still want to say it. I think it's important to say.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: somebody who is offended doesn't necessarily mean they're right.
0: No, yeah, I just just more meant to, it's like, well, look, we're not each other's cup of tea then, if that's what you're going to say. Yeah. And then I do feel like if your views are extremely racist or sexist or whatever, you're going to wind up in a very small circle of like-minded individuals where it might occur to you like, hey, these are not the fun people. Maybe I should change some of my opinions so I can go hang out with some other people.
1: And that's the great thing about clothing and style choices, because sometimes people can indicate to you just from the get-go what the kind of opinions that they're going to have. And you can, like, back off a few steps and not ask them out for a cup of tea.
0: Well, it's funny, to me, it's funny to me now that you're saying this, because, I and I don't want to make you self-conscious, but I have noticed that you have, for the festival, you've got a uniform, sort of. Yes. Is this your, is this your show outfit?
1: This is my thing. Is this... I, As a woman in the public eye, I realize that I have to wear, well, I have to dress to a certain standard, at least. I have to not be sloppy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And as a person, I quite don't, I don't want to be sloppy because that's you're saying something about yourself, right? So I, I try yeah. to look. I pick a thing. I think it looks neat. I think it's fine. I think it uh, flatters me or whatever. But I don't like thinking about what I'm wearing. I don't like looking in the mirror and going ooh and feeling weird about my body and today or not today or what do I wear and what am I saying about myself with this outfit. I don't like that brain space. Like, I, uh-huh. I don't have time. I'm, I like having ideas and thinking about important things, right? So if I have a thing, I spend, whatever, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour going, this looks good, and then I don't have to think about it for the rest of the month. Or, you know, it's... So
0: this, so this is an outfit that would go...
1: Well, well, it'll go see, you until know, I feel sick of it.
0: Yeah, so do you know this is a thing that Einstein, that was his thing, right? Oh, okay. It's a lot of really smart people or really busy people. Yeah. Like uh, presidents of countries and executives oh, and things like that, they they say, look, I've got to make so many decisions every day. I, my mind has got to be so on all these other jobs that I don't want this to be part of it. So you're in pretty good company.
1: Oh, good. Well, just as a woman, particularly in the world that we live in, that's so, so many people. And I, I talk about this on stage, so I don't want to do bits at you, but I just think there are people who are spending so much time and energy and money and effort on something that is... I say on stage, a depreciating asset, but really a bad investment.
0: You mean clothing, fashion?
1: Your appearance is like, it's, hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a diminishing returns. There's a certain amount of energy that you can spend on it at which it like does you a service. People, you know, are more likely to get you a job, blah, blah, blah if you meet a certain standard of appearance. So it's worth putting some energy and effort right, right, and thought right. into. But beyond that point, it's a waste of your time. Yeah, that you could another, be spending on better things.
0: I can't remember the name of that principle, but there, but there's a principle where you, you put in 20% of your effort to get 80% of your result. And Minimum it,
1: effective dose.
0: Yeah, and so then as you keep increasing, you can put in 50% and you still only get to 85% of Yeah, law of, your of diminishing returns and yeah, yeah. all of
1: that. I just think... I, and, yeah, I, because I have, you know, at, at various times in my life as a lady worried too much about my body and worried too much about what people thought of my body or how I looked. It's just not something that I want.
0: Everybody kind of has that, you know, now, especially I feel like as society where, first of all, people are probably dying to know, what are you wearing?
1: (laughs) I'm wearing a pair of black jeans, a gray top and a pair of red uh, suspenders, braces. I don't know what you guys call them. Yeah, yeah. We call them Uh, suspenders. And it's like like a a... Henley,
0: it's like a long sleeve Henley type t-shirt. Yeah, I have about
1: Three of these grey tops at the moment. Mm-hmm. I have two black pairs of jeans. I have a pair of, a uh, couple of pairs of shoes, and I mean this. I started a couple of weeks before the festival. Before that, it was like a pink skirt and a black or grey top. And before, like it's just so
0: you just kind of cycle into it. You get in a groove and you yeah. Go with I, it there's it for a usually
1: while. a week or two where I'm switching it up and I wear a couple of different mm-hmm. things. And even now, yeah, I, the way I say is I have three outfits, I wear one of them, and then it's your problem. Like, it's not my problem right, anymore. Right.
0: Yeah. right. Well, it's it's interesting because I feel like more and more nowadays we're being taught that uh, our appearance, not, maybe not taught as a, a bit strong, but just the paradigm of the way society is working right now is mm. you need to look good and you need to judge other people based on how they look. And they're, they're almost doing now to men what, you know, what was done to women decades ago with, you know, you have to have this body to be beautiful. Yeah. You have to have, this is the body. This is, this is the body that if you don't have this, you need to be trying to get this body because yeah. that's what beautiful is. And they're doing it to guys now, you know, these, it, there's the whole six pack workout. It's
1: fascinating to me, the intersection, like particularly of feminism and capitalism where you, you, you got to be suspect of, of where something's claiming to be empowering to women but uh-huh. it's actually a profit motive so now there's this like there's this school of like well women should be able to demand that men look good because men have always demanded that women look good
0: right and rather they're, they're than for us example nobody
1: spending money on how they look mm. you get double the you know and again feminists work working more not being paid to bring up babies or supported for family work that means you've got double the amount of people in the economy double the amount of people earning and spending Mm-hmm. which is not to say that I don't believe women should be in the workforce. I'm just saying you got to... Maybe that's one of the reasons why it's been easy for women to get into the workforce. And other things in the feminist project have been much harder. If it's uh-huh. if it's aligned with capitalist motives, it's often a lot easier to push that envelope.
0: Well, but the other thing is capitalism is... I can't remember who I heard say this, but capital capitalism will commodify your discontent and then sell it back to you as a T-shirt. You know? Absolutely. I mean... So you kind of can't try and defeat capitalism. You can sort of only work with it or try and wake up to when you're being used by it.
1: Being aware of it. Like, that's the thing. When I I talk, I have that song where I say, you know, you've got to be a little bit suspect. And I'm grateful I'm a feminist. I'm a woman in a male-dominated industry that I would never have been allowed in. Even 20, 25 years ago, it would have been a lot harder for me to do this job. I'm very pleased and happy with what Mm. feminism has done for me and what I can do for the feminist project. But at the same time, you, like, you look at some things and you go, is that empowerment or is it marketing? Or is it both? Sometimes it's both. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to know when it's, when it's one, when it's the other, and what part is what.
0: What's, what's the biggest example that comes to your mind just right offhand of the marketing? What's, what's the marketing? Recently
1: in the news was the Kardashian thing where Kim Kardashian took a nude selfie and put it up on Instagram. And there was this outrage and scandal and so on and so forth. And and you know she was saying that that presenting her own nude body as her own product, which it is, and she uses it for her own empire, and no one should judge her, and it's her thing, and she she can use and sell her sexuality in a way that is controlled and owned by her, and that's a feminist and empowering move. And sure it is, and she's also a businessman.
0: Well, right, but it's interesting too because this falls into that category about freedom of speech, and and it's like you're trying to she's trying to call something. A feminist act when really it's like look that's sort of douchey. It's, well, it's douchey. It's, that it's you
1: perpetuating got... at the same time as being a feminist act, which I think it is, is perpetu- perpetuating perpetuating anti feminist shit, which is that your body has to look like this to be powerful. But your body has to look like this to be a uh, well, commodity. Body is
0: such a outside of the norm of. Don't you think? I mean, well, I, I don't like know.
1: She, I think she's, you know, she's, I do, she's she, awesome.
0: I'm not criticizing, she's put a lot of money but I'm and saying,
1: energy and time and effort into that body and it yeah, paid yeah. off for her. For her, it was a good investment. Yes. But for a lot of people. Don't, don't bad. try
0: it at home. Don't do Don't. Well, or do, do whatever you want. Do whatever you, but she kind of got famous off of a, it's funny that she's, She'd get in hot water for releasing a, for putting out a naked selfie. When didn't she have a sex tape? That that's how she got. she yeah. Blew up. So of it's that.
1: that thing where I think she's she's um, she's very good at creating and then profiting from fake scandals. In reality, mm-hmm. nobody cares. Like nobody should care what somebody's doing on their I, own. I only kind care of of about it because
0: that's what you're talking about right now. Yeah, it was uh, an was,
1: example. It was no, an no, example. Of of this kind of weird mix of things, and I just think that there's too many people who are will ignore or not examine or critically engage with something because has a particular label, mm. like people putting themselves in camps now, without without really critically engaging with their camp or the other people's camp. Like you wanna you wanna be going, you know. I, I'm assuming you know if if you if you're coming from a liberal position. You want to be listening to other people and going, is that bullshit? Maybe it is.
0: Well, that's such Probably a rare is. concept now that people would even entertain the possibility that someone else might be right and that they might change their opinion. It's, you know,
1: There's it... a rational fallacy. is called the fallacy fallacy, which is that if somebody has an argument and one bit of their argument is wrong or based on a wrong fact, uh-huh. you dismiss their whole argument out of hand.
0: And that's not good.
1: That's not good. That's the fallacy
0: fallacy. The fallacy
1: fallacy is that one mistake or one point of disagreement invalidates an entire argument. Mm
0: -hmm. So say
1: somebody's uh, saying the banks are stealing money from, you know, ex-constituents, they're doing all of these weird deals, and last year they took $2.5 million off a shell company, something, I don't know, I'm not good at banking talk, and you go... Actually, they only took a $1.9 million, so your whole argument is invalid. And it's not. Oh, yeah, I see. You know, it's... it's, You have to be aware of that. That's happening more and more, the fallacy thing of just like, well, I disagree with you on this one point, or this one point can't be proven one way or the other, so your whole argument is just going in the bin.
0: And do you think that's just because... Why are people falling for that? Because I feel like there's a lot... A lot of the problem is people are so busy that they just don't have time to actually figure out how they should vote or 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 what kind of policies to back. And so they just listen to these brief arguments on TV and they hear somebody point out something. It's like, oh, I understand that that one thing is wrong and they're saying that that's, we're going to throw out the whole thing. Then job done. I can punch out on this.
1: Yeah, and that's also why it's easier to be in a camp with a packet identity and go oh yeah this is what my kind of person believes so i guess i can't, i don't have time to look into it okay. mm, mm. but i think you know if you believe in you know uh, if you be- if you're anti whaling you should also be pro gay rights and all of those things even though yeah. those two things are not connected like i think you mm-hmm. should have we should have more homophobic environmentalists <laughs> Do you know what i mean because yeah. otherwise uh... you just <laughs> Having these packet identity, I'm not saying we should have more homophobes in the world, obviously. I mean, th- but you could be an
0: environmentalist and homophobic. But you there's can, so th- few you, each, of them all yeah. that I
1: think that's indicative of something that's broad and weird.
0: Well, look, my wife is an um, environmentalist. And... and a homophobe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, she, I think she's pretty pro- pro- pro-phobe. Home. Pro-homo. <laughs> She's a home. Well, uh, we're homeowners. Uh, um, <laughs> she um, she's always talking about the you know these environmentalists get in these groups and then they want to establish who's the most environment environmental. And mm. so, if if you are you know now there's this move to be vegetarian or vegan because it's actually good for the planet. You know, mm. you got your health reasons, you got your animal rights reasons, and then now there's this planet thing. Yeah, and so. So you get the the vegans are then kind of bad mouthing the vegetarians because they're not doing enough for the planet It's like look you've got to these people are on your side if you're gonna fight with if the vegans are going to fight with the vegetarians, how are we ever going to get someone to just have one less hamburger a week
1: yeah it, that know? is a hundred percent true. I often feel that with um the vegan project, which i generally agree with which is le- less cruelty generally in the world particularly to animals and valuing lives more than we do particularly mm. in fact if if you focused the entire vegan and vegetarian movement and you know whoever else would be on board with that against factory farming you'd have a meat would become more expensive and people would buy less of it by default for economic reasons mm because you just couldn't produce as much meat and so meat would become more expensive, more difficult, more rare. And that would make more of a difference than almost any other thing that they're doing at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's amazing because I think that people would get on board with that if they understood the realities of factory farming. Yeah. I I feel like... It's one thing to listen to somebody say that, oh, factory farming is bad. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, oh, you're just standing in the way of pro- progress and we have to do this in order to be able to feed people. But if the, if you could just show them, well, this these are the conditions that the animals are living under. And uh, do, are you okay with this? And I'm not saying it's bad to eat meat. I'm just saying, like, if you were a farmer, you wouldn't want to be, you couldn't day-to-day face, they've made it illegal in the States to take, Photos under the inside, terrorist act inside of these facilities yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's a terrorist act to film inside a factory farm or an abattoir
0: because they've flipped this idea of terrorism around to say oh it would undermine our meat production in America if you were to show photos and it's like yeah it would undermine it because it's so shocking yeah. that people would revolt against it and we would have to find a new solution to this yeah. problem in the
1: same way that a defence to a suit of libel is truth like you can't say that showing someone the truth is a terrorist act.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think you can. But I mean, that's an amazing thing that we've done in the states that 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 is now illegal. That you can't do that. You can't. Uh, um, what's the What's the other thing that you can't do? We've got a, We've got a couple of those where it's flipped around to to disallow you to become informed. And, and make a different choice.
1: Yeah, the information stuff in America is terrifying. The control over the information is, like I lived in America for a year, I went. I lived in New York, and worked for an investment bank. I uh, would well,
0: see you say you're not good at bank talk, but you worked at an investment bank. Yeah, that's, yeah
1: I've erased that part of my memory, I've carved it out of my head. Uh, I was yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: Are uh, you a fine? Did you have did you have a degree in finance or something?
1: No, no. Uh, well, I got a I got a sort of a diploma while I was there, mainly so I could get the visa, and that was all of that. But mm-hmm. I I have four degrees in other things. I have no finance degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, the point being that you're
0: you lived in America.
1: Police are incredibly authoritarian. Well, you're a land that believes in freedom.
0: Well, we've got a higher percentage of our population incarcerated than anywhere else on the planet, including China.
1: The way that they talk to you as a person is insane.
0: It's super insane. And I've come up against that in the States. And and the real problem, you know, their kind of defense, I had a friend who's a comedian and a police officer on the podcast. It, and it was interesting to hear him talk because he's got a good sense of humor and he's not pro all of that violence but you know their thing is look we're coming up against people who understand how we relate to them all the time and when they question our authority by just not doing what we say right away that's a sign that we need to suppress them right away and so it's hard for these police then to make a distinction this is I'm devil's advocating this is yeah, not yeah, me yeah. saying that i believe it but but they're saying that that it's hard for them then to make a distinction between you saying why do i have to sit down or I'm just trying to help my mother across the street. You know, it's yeah. hard for the police to understand the distinction between that and some drug dealer who's going, hey, what are you talking about, man? And reaching in his bag and pulling out a gun. Yeah. And so that's... The gun
1: thing makes them much more hyped up. Yeah, much they're, more they're always defensive. hyped
0: up that they think that it's going to be... One second later, they're going to be in a fight for their lives with an armed suspect. But
1: the nature of people is that you respond to what you're given. Like, if somebody comes up to you as it happened to me in America and was like, ma'am, you can't cross that line. I'm like immediately upset and afraid and defensive. Yeah, Whereas yeah. in Australia, you're like, hey, mate, sorry, this is out of bounds. Sorry, I didn't know. That's, that's a much more helpful and friendly and useful interchange. I'm, it is,
0: and that's the way civilized people should be interacting with each other. But what I'm saying is... The wh- assumption of ill are will creates is, ill will. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But, but the police are saying, look... If I go up and say, hey, mate, you're not allowed to do that, I'm dead. Because he pulls out a gun and he goes, fuck you, and he shoots me. Yeah. And so they're saying, like, they need to... But I
1: also think that people are people. And if you go, hey, mate, you're much less likely to get shot in the face with a gun.
0: When you're dealing with 90 or higher percent of the population, but the problem is they're also dealing with...
1: Completely. Well, I think when you bring drugs into it, it's a different question. I got mugged when I was in New York. You did. uh, And I didn't notice... Um, and I got away with it.
0: What do you mean you didn't notice? So I
1: think, I think I have a false idea of how... Well, I was on the phone. I was coming back from a gig that was in the Bronx or something. And I was on the phone to my brother back home. And uh, a guy came up to me and was like, Hey, you got any money? And I was like, Sorry, man, maybe tomorrow. I thought he was like a beggar.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I was like, I'm sorry, I'm on the phone. Maybe tomorrow. And I kept walking. And then I got about three steps. And it clocked in my head that he had had a knife. He'd just been holding this knife. When he was asking for the uh-huh. money. And I hadn't registered it because I was distracted. But i just dismissed him in this really casual way. And I think it confused him so much.
0: It, well, he, it, was, it was obviously a misunderstanding. And then he's, he does know how to... Yeah, how he's got to go, look, no, I'm, mug- I'm you threatening you with script, a weapon right yeah, now. Yeah. It's like, no, I didn't get I went that. off
1: script and he just yeah. didn't follow it. So I think I have a false idea of, <laughs> of how easy it is to get away with shit. Just by having a particular attitude.
0: No, what did you say again? Cuz I think this is of interest to people who are listening. Not today, maybe tomorrow.
1: Oh, yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, sorry man, maybe tomorrow I'm on the phone." I just treated yeah. him I just had the tone that I would have with somebody who yeah. was panhandling, asking me for money if I didn't have. And I mean, as a as a comedian, I don't have a lot of money anyway, so I'm often I often am slightly suspicious of people who ask me for money on the street, particularly if they ask me like every day. I'm like, you probably have more money than I do, oh, man. Oh, man,
0: there is a guy who... So I walk down this street, Little Burke here, every night on the way to my show. Yeah. Because I now I have a regular job here in Melbourne. I live here and I go to work yep. at 7 o'clock. And so every time I walk down the street, there's a guy sitting in the same doorway. And the first night I saw him, he was really... He's he's always really polite. Yeah. And he looks like he's living in the street. But he's always... He, then we see him in the same doorway every night... You're like, hey, man, uh, do you even care if I have figured out that you're not... I mean, you can't really be homeless. Why would you be in the same spot? You've got to be going. You must have a place where you sleep near here. You must. Have... And then two days ago, I saw him. He had an iPhone. And he's walking around checking stuff on his iPhone.
1: It's a, it's like, I, it's I a weird one, that. Because in Australia, there are services available for... I mean, we have quite good safety net not like you guys
0: yeah no we're, we have we're, a we're...
1: quite good a safety net the only way that you can become homeless in australia is if you can't negotiate that system and it's a little bit complicated like the center link and all of that all, all of the services that are available if you can't get your head around them if you can't
0: just figure out how to so, sign up and where so the to people show up who and... are
1: homeless are people who are mad who have mental illnesses in various ways and so they can't get the services because they just become overwhelmed or they don't understand them or they don't trust the systems they have paranoia or schizophrenia or something Mm -hmm. where they can't get into the system and be looked after or they're people who have that particular disease that leads to drug addiction whatever that is that
0: yeah well that's in the states it's it's mental illness and it's there's a hu- huge amount of substance abuse going on. Yeah. And who knows which comes first in terms of yeah.
1: that. The, yeah, a sweet combo of the two. And, and then, I don't know, I think we have steps to take to treat drug addiction as more of an illness than we already do. Like we don't, we treat it as, as a... You know, maybe they don't deserve help because they're on drugs rather than... Yeah, we treat it as so that... a
0: lifestyle choice, which maybe it started off as that. But then yeah. you see people who are like, they, there's no way that these people are choosing this.
1: Yeah, so then I think that we need, as a, like in Australian system, to make more room for those people who can't figure out the system. But at a certain point, some people are just not going to want it. How do you mean? I mean, I mean... Most of the homeless people who you see on the street, there is a place that they could go to, in Australia.
0: But they're preferring to live on the street to go to. That for whatever place, it is, for whatever it is, for whatever,
1: whatever reason, whether it's mental illness, paranoia, uh, dislike of systems, mi- mistrust of of government help a desire to be independent all of those things are legitimate yeah. reasons but
0: well in the states they'll throw you out of the sh- they'll throw you out of the place if you if you're drinking or you got to be in by six and out by six and so people don't want to come in at six and then they're locked out for the night and you know there's all kinds of rules that who knows if they would be better if they change those but you know you're yeah. not running a nightclub for
1: yeah i don't know i don't know i do my charity stuff but as i said i don't have a lot of money so i tend to put a lot of research into it yeah. And I I try to do, you know, as much of my, as I can in kind, pro bono, legal stuff, um, mainly.
0: Are you an attorney? I
1: oh, was well, a lawyer, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I still am, technically. I keep up my practicing certificate to placate my dad.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where does your dad live?
1: My dad lives in Sydney, Sydney. Um, and he's, he's actually stopped asking if I'd like to go to the bar now. I've been full-time comedian for four years, and he started doing the, oh, Alice, you should get a television show, uh, which I oh, think is nice. a nice change, you know.
0: My aunt, my mother's sister, my aunt, passed away a few years ago, but even when I was 25 years into being a stand-up, and I'd been on Letterman 20-something times... Mm. She would still, when I'd see her, say, you know, I've got some money saved, and if you ever wanted to go back and finish your degree, (laughs) I would pay for it. And she just kind of, she never got it.
1: I'm never going to go back to working as a lawyer. It's nice to have the skills. It's nice to be able to offer them to Mm -hmm. people who need them. Um, But I, I I think, and I'm always willing to change my mind, but I think I will never work as a lawyer for money ever again.
0: I know several people, more than any other job, I know people who have trained and gotten their law degree, mm. and even passed the bar, who then just did it for a few years and said, look, I, I, this is not for me, I don't enjoy, I don't like being part of this system.
1: It's a it's a weird place, particularly large corporate firms, which is where I was, mm-hmm. and that was probably a bad choice for me. I, the, I find the corporation structure pathological, and I can't not take it personally, <laughs>
0: Well, I think our legal system and our society is now in this weird mode of what's the maximum, you know, help me figure out what I can get away with and whether it's legal or not is not as important as whether I'm going to get caught or not or what my strategy is once I get caught and what's the worst case scenario. And we've kind of lost track of this idea of any kind of personal responsibility or integrity, or yeah. the idea that there's anyone at the top who would just say, "No, I'm not going to do that for people," you know, to people. I'm, I'm going to.
1: Again, you have a look at you have a look at capitalism as a motive for, in this instance, uh, atheism. Like I, I'm very pro atheism. I don't think that the way that the Christian church had a control over the entirety of society was a good thing but i don't think the move from christianity to atheism as a society as a whole like it's 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 happening christianity is losing numbers uh just on statistically i don't think that has as much to do with the enlightenment as we would like to think i think it's got a lot to do with for a long time, it was the best way to get people to work for you was to have them believe that you know the the world was a certain way and that you they had to you know have their place and work for God and that they mm. would have a wonderful afterlife afterwards. And now the way that that the capitalism is structured, it's better to have people not believing in God because well, then they have to worry about what they're doing.
0: It's interesting when you say it that way because I'm trying. I, one of the things I'm trying to do in my life and way I'm thinking about things is to try and get in that big picture, and I just had this sort of idea while you were saying that. It seems to me, in a sense, that Christianity was already a thing. You know, I know plenty of Christian people and and other people of other faiths, or spiritual as whatever they describe Mm. themselves, that are using those beliefs as a foundation for their own personal integrity and sense of character and responsibility in a great way. and. I think that that appealed to a lot of people, and then unscrupulous people kind of got in and took control in the sense of like the Catholic Church. It it just became a way to exert power and influence on people. And so now we've woken up to that. And and capitalism has been pitched to us originally as this is the way that individuals can be empowered and it's the best way to live because we're all gonna have the most independence. And now it is being corrupted to, in order to, and it's also being used to corrupt our political system. You know, by this whole anti-government movement, because people are kind of cynical about government not being a good way to help people. And, and they don't even bother to say, look, hey, if you think the government sucks, how, how do you feel about having to deal with customer service at your cell phone provider? Because when you say you want to put the private sector in charge of stuff, that's what you're talking about. Your cell pro- phone provider, your cable TV provider, that's who you're going to have to deal you with to get your health care. You do not want to be a
1: citizen that is treated like a shareholder. No. Because then the more shares you have, the better citizenship you have.
0: Well, you're going to be a citizen that's more like, you, you know, you're lucky if you get that. Yeah. What you're probably going to get is a citizen who's treated as a customer. Yeah. And for as much as these companies try and act like they're behind customer service, they they just want you to believe that. They want to do the minimum involved in order to actually serve you. They want. They're trying to figure out ways all the time. To charge you more and give you less—that's yeah. that's how they make money for their shareholders. And we're and we're much more customers in the world than we are shareholders. It's true, that's very true.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the world's going. It'll be interesting to see if I can stick around for long enough. Uh,
0: well, so I wish I could see your show because we're opposite each other, and I'm hearing so gosh. many great things about it. And I saw the. Last night I was out at the festival club and, you know, people do the thing and someone has gone on your posters. Maybe it's even you and put the five star. Oh, I haven't done a, it. you yeah. got a five star yeah. review.
1: Yeah, that's a nice thing to get uh, from the Herald Sun. I. Um,
0: but do you, do you mind talking a little bit about your show?
1: No, I don't mind at all. Also, I'm doing a show at 6pm on Saturday, the final Saturday, so you might be able oh, to come and see
0: oh, it. Oh, yeah, my show's at 7.15, so I... Could,
1: it's at the town hall, so you could probably just do it and race over. Maybe.
0: So, my last show of this festival will be me kind of tanking it because I saw your show <laughs> right before and my self esteem was last, under are you, attack.
1: Are you not doing the Sunday? Hmm? Are you doing the Sunday as well? Saturday, oh, yeah, Saturday, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: so, yeah, so the Saturday Second will be last, sort of not so great, but one. my last show will be fine. Yeah,
1: it'll be fine. Okay, okay that's, yeah, that's good, all good, point. good Solid point.
0: point. Solid point. Solid
1: uh, point. My show is uh, about the. Well. It's called? It's called The Resistance. So do you want the, like the whole big long story, or do you want like the pricey, like the short version?
0: I would love whichever one you want to do. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm super interested, so and I think people who are listening it. would be interested. But I don't want you to give away something that you're trying to charge money for.
1: That's all right. Okay, I'll. I I'll, want
0: you to tell a story. I'll give you so the to... story of the story. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, uh, my mom. This is a very going back. My mom had MS. She was diagnosed before I was born. Um, when she was 27. And she had multiple sclerosis for thirty-three years, uh, which meant my whole life was her being more or less sick, and mm. me being there, kind of to help. Or which is a strange relationship to have with your mum when you sort of transition between child and sort of carer. Yeah, my dad was always around, and my twin brother. So it was we did it as a as a family. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you know, and and she had MS really, and it got pretty bad and pretty upsetting and then she got cancer and died Uh, and I was at that time when she was dying of cancer trying to do my show. I had a new show that I had to do and was thinking of cancelling it and thinking what am I going to do and so I wrote this show that was as far towards the edge of the Venn diagram of comedy towards tragedy that you can possibly do a very personal show it was about wrestling with this idea of what's the point of comedy are you meant to look away from hard things or wrestle with hard things? that's the show that you're doing right the last show okay and so then I sat after that show and it was like you know completely it went well and all of that and it was a very weird thing to do um
0: and what was it what was it like see this is the interesting thing that I've been talking over the last couple episodes so if people are interested in learning about festivals and how people write a new show every year works then you can listen to some of that but in the context of that what was it like that year to do a show that was kind of on the, on the edge you know you're getting it sounds like it's getting dramatic and obviously there's gonna there's gonna be laughs in it you're in a comedy festival yes but but it sounds like it was quite serious and did you have a was there an audience sort of like, hey, wait a minute?
1: Yeah, so it was that experiment of, I want you to... I wanted people to... I was so angry and, and hurt by the world at that point, by the way that people wanted to give easy answers to something that was so horrible and messy and horrifying. And so I wanted people to look at and really emotionally engage with the magnitude of, of someone being chronically ill in in the way that she was, which is MS takes bits of your brain and your your motivation and your body and everything that you think makes you a person gets stripped away bit by bit. Mm. And people don't want to really engage with that as an idea because it's horrifying. So how much comedy do I have to feed you to keep you on board
0: so, to just break it down, so you're taking people on a journey. Yeah. This is what it was like for me to have this experience with my mother. Yeah.
1: So savage was that, and that's why I called it savage because it was a it's a nasty fucking trick to bring people on board and keep them there and keep them with their face to the flo like to the thing to the grindstone or the flame or whatever horrible metaphor I'm using just to keep them in with the laughs.
0: Uh huh.
1: Enough to to engage really emotionally, that they can't distance themselves from you as a performer, that they can't take away from what you're feeling or saying. And so I finished that, and then I thought, oh, God, I have to write another show. (laughs) Like, I have to write a new show after that.
0: Because you you felt like, look, I've gone to the... Mountaintop, I've told you the truth of the worst thing that ever happened to me, right?
1: Well, that I'd done this show that meant a lot and was in such hard circumstances when I was writing it that it was arguable whether I should have written at all. Like, my twin brother wasn't particularly happy that I was... Did he see it? Yeah, that I was using that experience as material for art. His sense was, like, other people who don't understand shouldn't... They shouldn't have this. They shouldn't know this. Yeah, it's your private... Uh, and Property. that's a, a mm-hmm. legitimate intellectual position to have. Uh, but then I thought I have to write another show and it has to be a couple of things. A, funnier. It has to be funnier than Savage. It has to take a step back into... It's definitely comedy. Where Savage was probably comedy. Uh,
0: no, is there a way that people can watch it? Is Did you yeah, film I've it? Yeah, I've
1: got it online. Uh, sort of a, a messy version. If you hit me up on my Patreon page... Uh, and I'll send you a, a copy. I'm not selling it like commercially, but if you're a, like a podcast listener or a Patreon subscriber, I'll send yeah. you a copy. Yeah. So
0: Patreon, we we pronounce it Patreon, P A T R E O N. Yeah. And it's Alice Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. F R. F R A S E R. Um,
1: and so then I thought it has to be funnier, like laughs per minute wise, punchier, but also I need to prove. And this is all me, obviously, my own pressure on myself. I need to prove to people that Savage wasn't just powerful because it was powered by the subject matter. It's not just right. It's now not just a good back. show. Yeah. It's not just emotional because it's powered by dead mom juice. Like, yeah, you
0: didn't just get lucky.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's a thing <laughs> right. that that is a horrible comedian mentality of like, well, it's easy to write an emotional show because you had an emotional experience. Mm. So I needed to prove that I could write a powerful show like emotionally, intellectually, wrestling with the big ideas in the way that you have to wrestle with big ideas when you're faced with death, that I wanted to do that with a new show, but not about something that everyone has. Everyone has a mum. Everyone knows what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. So to, to create the same thing, bringing you into a world, making you look at something interesting, that you would never normally look at or think about.
0: That's meaningful to you. That's meaningful
1: and can be meaningful to everyone. And so those were the things that I felt like I had to prove with the resistance. So what I chose to write about was the house I grew up in, which was my granny was a Holocaust survivor and owned this property which was a crumbling, falling... She was a terrible landlady and she just had... She would just let people live there because she was generous, overwhelmingly generous and just awful... She just would say horrendous things to everyone. She was always causing drama and, like, terrible you know, breaking up fights in the street. Like, sort saw her punch a full grown man once. She, <laughs> just, she just was a, diz- like, just this wild. Oh, my God. Person. This is
0: like, this is a great movie, The Terrible Holocaust Survivor.
1: Yeah. She was, I mean, she was wonderful and she was always kind, but just she keep, was um, difficult. Yeah.
0: was knocking, so I'm listening.
1: Uh, and uh, the other thing is that she just let people live in this house. So I grew up in this house. Really? With all of these people, like wild, wild people who needed help in various ways and my granny would just let them live in the house. That, and my experience of them as, as a child, growing up with these people who were, you know, deeply troubled but amazing people. And as a child you're sort of immune from their madness because everyone is kind to children
0: well, and, you, and you're not ready to understand the world as anything other than what you're being taught to be in it, which is a, a kind person who's helpful to other people. Yeah,
1: so we just run around in the garden, and, you know, there was this manic depressive Chilean gardener with seven and a half fingers who lived upstairs in exchange, quote, for gardening, which meant he would occasionally do landscaping in the middle of the night in his manic phases and would just feed us carrots and things. And, and then it's about... That and and the the way that my granny was as a good person in the face of the way we articulate being a good person now is this kind of neat PC Facebook hmm. ticking boxes having the right opinions type of goodness because my granny did not have any of the right opinions she yeah, didn't yeah. say any of the right words she you know but she was so actively good so kind and generous and then talking about how I found out much later in my life what these people who she had created this home for were, what their histories were, what the reality of their experience of the world was and why it was such an incredible...
0: Why she had chosen them or or, why or they, invited well, them into why her she life. Why let,
1: she'd, let she'd let anybody stay and she'd be good to anybody, but there were a few of them who were particularly, and the ones that I draw out in the story, who had these incredible pasts incredibly awful and complicated stories and and what the story the i mean the theme of the show is what is the obligation on, on us the audience me as a person as the who knows and met these people what's my obligation now to the world how do i be good like what what is it other than just assuming i'm a good person because i'm not a racist or assuming i'm a good person because i don't actively hurt anybody like that's an assumption that I don't think is carried through when you're faced with people who really lost something by being a good person, like Louis, his fingers, and mm-hmm. the other the other people in the house. Various stories that that had that that were in their histories, like the effort and difficulty and messiness and ugliness of maintaining genuine morality in the world.
0: Yeah, well, that that is that is but lots of fun, lots yourself. of laughs. Yeah, right, right. Well, I, you know, look, I've made my decision. I'm going to go see it. I'm going to sacrifice my, I'm not going to sacrifice my you show. Know I, I'll bloody be able to, show. I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to do just it. But it just it's sounds so you'll great. Be fine. I feel like I'm going to cry right now just having listened to the description of it. So I know was, well, this is the interesting thing to me about meeting people at the festival because you get to, you get to see people as they are as people hanging out. Then you get to see their shows and so it's always funny then when you're kind of relating to someone as a new friend, yeah. And then you think, oh, I'm not going to get to see their show. And so, what is this person like? And I so just now after you've given me that description of your show, it makes me want to say just how I, you know, because I see you out. we all go out after our shows yeah, in the yeah, night. Yeah, and So every time I see you, you just the see... cool
1: kids gang.
0: Well, I don't, I don't, I don't do <laughs> think of myself as part of that. But that's, uh, but. But to go out and see you at night, and you're always wearing your outfit, you know. So now I know the reason of that. And you always seem to be in just this sweet mood. You're happy to see everyone. You've always got a hug. Last night you were a bit down because of something, some d- oh, bozo moron that was at your show, and the you were...
1: whole front row of entitled boomer cunts, just awful people.
0: Right, and you had someone in who was judging you, and yeah. and it was like it's the I can totally relate. It's like that that moment as a comedian that I, I'm familiar with where you're trying to make a tape, you're trying to record your show so that you can send it to someone to get something and you realize you brought along somebody to shoot it and you, you everything, the it's a Saturday night, the crowd is full, it's all poised to be perfect for you and then some drunk moron... Yep,
1: just is, decides it's a conversation.
0: Yeah, the last special I did, I recorded in Cleveland and when we recorded the two, the early show and the late show, but it was just a regular gig for me, and it was right a couple weeks before Christmas. And so so some of the crowd was there just on a Christmas party. You know, they had an office Christmas party. They weren't necessarily there to see me. The comedy club is doing business, and people want to have their Christmas party. And I'm an act that sort of can appeal to you if you don't know who I am. And so the second show, the first show went okay, and I was anxious to go on for the second show. I've got two chances to get the best show possible. and. It, I didn't think of this last night to tell you, but so the second show, it's this Christmas party, like, and the, the opening act is on, and he says, okay, we're gonna just get the cameras ready to turn on, and then be right back. And, and a third of the crowd got up to go pee, and then they came back, and they were talking to each other and oh, yelling no! stuff at the stage. He had said, look, I'm taping a special, and they're just yelling stuff at the stage. Uh,
1: brutal. And
0: I did exactly what you did. I tried to stick to my show. I was, look, I'm filming this. I'm gonna to stick to my show, I'm gonna do my show. and I had the same questioning myself moment that you had last of, of, night of
1: going what these like, people want is a club set, but I had the festival judges in, and I was like, I want to show them my show.
0: I know, but i, I felt like afterwards I don't know that and I think you did you did exactly what I did. and so well, I, yeah, I don't I can't, know if it was the right decision. I or can't not. second guess myself, but afterwards I had I definitely had the thought of. Because that was being filmed and it was something that I could have had. Like, I had the first show. I could have had a second show where it's just me battling with some ridiculous people. And if it turns out great, I can use it. And if it doesn't... I mean,
1: B-roll. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. In retrospect, in retrospect, you try and serve the highest purpose that, that's available to you. And that's what you did. Well,
1: I think the difference with a festival show is that, like, in a club set, you, you give the audience what they want. Your whole job in a club is to make them happy, basically. What they
0: want in the sense of they came out to have a good time. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then a festival show is an hour and you've got the room and it's your room and it's your show and they come to see what you have to offer. So if they don't know what to expect, I think they have, and I know they just want to go out and have a good time on a Friday night or a Saturday night. That's also legitimate. But if you're going to a show and you don't know what to expect, which is what these people did, they didn't know what to Mm. expect, Mm -hmm. then you have to take the cues. Like, you can't go, I don't know what to expect. This isn't what I expected. You have to go, oh, this is what it is. I guess I'll see what this is.
0: Well, because some... I mean... What I'm doing at the festival is is a, a a sort of a thematic stand-up set. I mean, I've got some things that I'm just talking about, as I do in all my whatever show I'm doing at the moment is is about sort of me a little bit. But the not, the fun the fun shows to see at the festival are the shows like the one that you're describing that you're doing, and and the the show that I saw Zoe Coombs Mar do. Oh
1: my God! Have so you seen brilliant. it? Brilliant! Oh She's God. so brilliant gosh I hope she wins the award this year like she if it's the best stand-up I've seen for a long time because it's so different and it's so dumb and it's so smart and it's so good
0: it's really I mean not to talk now to talk more to people about a thing that you're not going to see but (laughs) I didn't know what it was the the person who's producing my show just said I'm going to see this you want to go and so I said yeah and then I'm watching it. It's so silly and funny that you're smiling and laughing, and then it becomes more and more ridiculous. And like a third of the way through, I'm like, I don't know who this person is. What's going on? I, I thought, is 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 she actually losing her mind right now? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. just the best. It so, was so good. So the
1: listener, she's a she's a female uh, act in her early 30s, and uh, she plays a young male open mic open miker like you're just all of the worst cliches of the open micer. she plays like up like
0: sexist and just sexist, trying sexist
1: racist trying stuff just amping it up to 130% and making fun of it and then breaking it down as well its just so good.
0: Well, then she becomes him trying to... He's taken heat on Twitter, and so now he's decided that he's going to just do mime and clowning because he's sick of stand-up because nobody understands him. Yeah. Even though he can't really be... he The problem is everybody does understand him. <laughs> you yeah, know? and
1: then his inner clown, like the thing that he brings out with his new kind <sighs> of softer side, turns out to be her, basically, this early 30s lesbian... And so then he's engaging with him with her.
0: And then he, in the context of his reality, of his show, takes a drug to... He thinks he's taking a Valium, but he takes an ecstasy, so then she's pretending that, he, you know, oh my God, it's, it's amazing. like... It's, there's amazing. You're, you're watching the guy Dave, you're watching him try and do his alter ego as the mime, you're watching her underneath all of that. There's
1: some then good comedy. Then they're all on
0: drugs, and oh my God. There's some
1: good comedy that looks good because it's effortless. With her, it's the kind of comedy look that is good because it's astonishingly impossible. It's like watching an acrobat.
0: Well, yes, but also effortless. Also, yeah. it looks like... It's its like you fucking believe... You believe that she's a schizophrenic nut, <laughs> you know, that all of this stuff is happening in her head. Oh, it was just so wonderful. Anyway, so those are my favorite shows, and yeah. so I'm really excited to see your show, but in the context of the festival, people are going to see me doing my stand-up show, and yeah. then they might go along to see you. Well, they yeah. can't because it's at the same time, but the next night they could. Yeah. And, uh, and so they're, they're just rolling with it, and I didn't realize that, that m- for the most case, people are up for that. They're up for like, oh, I'm going to watch this and see what it is, and I'm going to watch that and see what that is. I
1: love that about the festival.
0: And it really has, I mean, I don't think I'm, I just, it would be years before I could try something like what you're describing you're doing, but I definitely would love to come back and try and do something that's a little more thematic. Because it just is so nice to see a show like the one that you're describing or the one that we're both describing Zoe having done.
1: Well, it is that great thing of, of this festival gives you the freedom. It gives you an hour, it gives you a room, and you do what you want to do. And then the other thing is that, you know, if you're seeing 30 shows in two weeks, you don't want to see... Like, straight stand-up is an incredible art. It's incredibly difficult to do. But if you're seeing that many shows, you want something different, something more, something other. There's a virtue to just something that you yeah. haven't seen before Yeah. that I think gives shows like Zoe's a comparative advantage in this market. Because right, right. everyone is doing a, an hour of stand-up and you have so many people who are really, really, really good at stand-up. This is the other reason, sneakily, why I don't do an hour of straight stand-up is because I can't compete in that. Like, I can't just oh, walk on. Yeah. Like, to, for me to be as funny across the board as a lot of the other people in this festival, I would have to put in so much more work and effort and years... Whereas the, the comparative advantage I have is I am good at, good at structure, narrative structure, storytelling, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I can boost off that and then the jokes come out of that.
0: Did you see Joel show? Yeah. Yeah, I liked his show too, just talking about stories He has a very
1: nice smile as well. He's just a handsome aside. guy. Not he's to a objectify him, but
0: yeah. No, I think he's okay with it. Yeah, you reckon? I think he's okay with it. I mean, it's pretty positive stuff. Ten
1: out of ten, would bang. Um, <laughs> this is just on the review board. All right,
0: yeah. That's, he's, so let's go give him five stars on all his posters. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I wonder if you could just do that as a prank. Put five stars on everybody's poster.
0: Oh, that's such a good idea. Okay, well now we've got a project for later in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Alice, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. And will you tell people who are listening how... We already talked about your Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Is, do you have a website? I have well? a
1: website. It's called alicecomedyfraser.com and you can hit me up on Twitter at alliterative. I-A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. It never gets easier to spell.
0: No, it's tricky. I understand why you went for it as a joke. Yeah. But it's it's tough going, it's isn't dumb.
1: it? I regret it every day. I regret it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, regrets we've got a few. Okay. Thank you for listening and don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. Thanks everybody.
1: Good times.